podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. The point out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, A Tad Predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Khaled Patel. It's game week 15 and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. I am joined by solicitor and Arsenal season ticket holder, Khaled Patel. Now, Khaled, first and foremost, welcome back to the show. Last time you were here, Arsenal were top of the log. It's been a while since you've been brought back on. Um, maybe some behind the scenes were hoping that Arsenal wouldn't be top of the log by the time you came <laughs> back. They booked you for the week when Arsenal finally got off top of the log and had to respond, and they seem to have responded emphatically. So, one, do you have anything to say for people behind the scenes and uh, with your booking, and two, how are you feeling about the season so far? Yeah, uh, thank you for that beautiful introduction as always. I've missed being here. Uh, I sort of felt I was being blackballed, I'll be honest with you. I felt like I started off the season uh, rooting for Arsenal and every single week saying, look, we're here again. And then I just sort of got blackballed. I don't know what happened, but I'm happy to be back. Uh, very, very happy. Buzzing, obviously, that Arsenal is still top of the table. Uh, and Guy, if you're listening, I love you too, mate. Uh, going forward, uh, fingers crossed we can stay there before the World Cup because I think that will be key for our success. Yeah, if you can hang on until the World Cup, get sort of uh, all the players fit again after the World Cup, the likes of Saka. Um, maybe solidify the squad with some investment in January. It, it could look promising. Could look promising. <laughs> that, that, that's, yeah, that's the plan, but we have Chelsea away coming up, so it's, it's going to be a good game. Interesting stuff. But let's not jump too far ahead in terms of who you've got because we need to start the week with Leeds versus Bournemouth. Now, obviously, Leeds coming off that 2-1 win at Anfield. First time Van Dijk has lost at Anfield in front of a crowd in the Premier League. Uh, so that, that record's gone. Um, a lot of records of Liverpool's been going <laughs> recently. But I was very happy. <laughs> but Leeds entertained Bournemouth, who... They they had that 2-3 two, two, loss to Spurs at home. Bournemouth were riding high, and I'm sure as an Arsenal fan, you must have been enjoying that, especially the first half of that game. But then in typical Spurs fashion, they have to concede first before they wake up, um, and then they ended up winning that game. This could be an interesting game between two teams who are trying, obviously, to, to I think the main goal for both teams would be just stay in the Premier League. Um, and then also try and pick up some momentum before the before the World Cup break. Yeah, I mean, firstly to touch on your point, 
shout out to Virgil van Dijk. Anything to do with unbeaten, invincible, I'm all for breaking that record because of Arsenal. Uh, so, no, that made me happy. But it was a great performance by Leeds. Uh, it, I mean, that was a cracking game to watch. I mean, it was the Leeds of Bielsa. Uh, and do you know what? I'm semi-rooting for Jesse Marsh. There's something endearing about him. I don't know what it is. He's not Bruce Arena. Uh, I feel like Leeds have been very, very unlucky. I mean, they played amazingly against us the week before. Uh, we scraped away with three points. So uh, the fact that they went to Anfield, all credit to them. They did amazing. Uh, Bournemouth, again, I think it was inevitable that Spurs would come back in that game. But Gary O'Neill's done an amazing job. I mean, it wasn't too long ago. I think we would, the last time I was on, it was, I think it was going to be Liverpool playing Bournemouth. And I think they were, I said they're going to get smashed like six. No, I got, I think, what, was the, what did they get smashed? Was it like nine six nil. or seven, you guys? Nine nil. Nine nil. And I remember thinking, I, I knew that was coming. Uh, Scott Parker and his cardigan disappeared. Uh, and Gary Neal completely turned it around. Like, literally, if you take out the goals that they conceded against the big teams in those first three games, uh, <clears throat> Arsenal, I think, were in there as well, uh, then uh, essentially they've done an amazing job. And I feel like it's a bit early to call it a six pointer, but with the season break coming up, it, it is because I think the owners for. Both clubs are probably thinking long-term and thinking, look, we're going to have like a massive pre-season coming up in terms of the World Cup. It'll be a time to change a manager if they wanted to. So who knows? Both teams are in decent-ish form, even though Bournemouth recently lost. But I feel like it is a little bit of a mini six-pointer because the owners could be pressed to make a change if they drop points here. And I think um, maybe from a longer-term perspective with both these teams, the advantage is that during the World Cup, not many of their players are going to have gone to the World Cup. So some yeah. of these uh, lower teams in the division are going to have a full preseason with everyone available, which makes it more exciting, I think, for, for, for the league as a whole. But in terms of scoreline predictions, this one's obviously at Ellen Road. Um, are you leaning towards a home team or do you think Bournemouth can pull up a win in this one? Uh, I'm leaning to the home team. I think they'll ride that wave of momentum. Uh, I see uh, 1-0 leads. Oh, so a close 1-0 leads win. Um, so for me, I've gone with a much higher score line. I've gone for a 2-2 draw because I, okay. I think both the teams are going to fancy their chances are gonna, and are going to want to sort of attack in this game opposed to just sitting back and, and letting the other team impose themselves, which is going to facilitate a, an exciting open game. So I think it's a, it's a nice game to start the weekend off on. Obviously, there's no 12 o'clock game this coming week. It's straight uh, from 3 o'clock, which I always find really awkward. Uh, I really I hate like that. that. I hate yeah. that, yeah. yeah. I love I love that, that, that initial game. Like I said, it gets the, the, the weekend going, so... I don't even know why they've done that because there's no Friday game either. So it doesn't really make much sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, let's move on to our next three o'clock game. It's Manchester City versus Fulham. Now, this is two weeks in a row that Manchester City have a chance to leap above Arsenal momentarily and put pressure on Arsenal um, to go out and get a result knowing that you know they're no longer top of the league. But if we focus on Man City, obviously no Haaland... I can't say no Holland, no problem, because you look at the scoreline last week, it didn't yeah. quite reflect 
what we're used to of Manchester City and what we've been used to of Leicester in, in, in recent weeks. And then you look at Alvarez up front and he didn't impress me as much as I thought he would have. But bearing in mind, he hasn't had a lot of football start, you know, from in the starting lineup. Yeah. So I think it, it takes a while for the players to get used to how he plays and equally how him getting used to how the other players play. And they come up against the Fulham side. Now, with your Arsenal hat on, with the way Mitrovic has played, with the way Fulham have played recently, are you thinking this could be a trap game here? Is, is this is this another giant killing for Fulham? I, they've done it in this season so far. I, I don't know if beating Liverpool still counts as a giant killing this season, but it was still <laughs> at the beginning of the season when everyone thought Liverpool were title contenders. So from yeah. a psychological thing, that, that was a giant killing. Um, can Mitrovic and the boys pull off something here? Can can, can they help out your Arsenal? Uh, with the Arsenal hat on, I would love to say yes. I mean, I saw Fulham, that was at the Emirates uh, a few months ago, uh, and they were really good. They were really organised. I mean, I've seen a few games this year, and Fulham were, were up there in terms of setting out their stall. Mitrovic is an absolute handful. I mean, when you watch these players on TV, you quite can't quite comprehend the actual size of the man. Like, he's an absolute brute. He is huge, and he imposes himself. It's like when you watch a throw and go into him, it's in slow motion. It's like you know what he's going to do, but you can't do anything about it. I feel like he could give some trouble to the City defenders, but in all honesty, I can't see anything but a home win here. Uh, it may not be the emphatic score lines we've seen recently if Haaland's missing, but I think City will get the job done. Kevin De Bruyne stepped up last week against Leicester and showed that I think he probably is still the best player in the Premier League at the moment. Uh, and I feel like City will have too much. Uh, I'm sure they're probably going to rest players uh, for the Champions League game against Sevilla. Uh, and in which case, if they do, they should be fit to go. And they'll, I reckon, looking at 2-0 City. 2-0 City. I've got 2-1 City. Um, I, I okay. do think Mitrovic pulls off a goal in this game. But yeah, City kind of a professional yeah. performance sees the game out. Um, you mentioned big players and, and seeing them in person. One of those is Declan Rice for me. When I saw him play in person, he is an absolute yeah. unit. Whereas on TV, he looks big, but he he looked a lot bigger than, than I anticipated. And yeah, Van Dyke as well. Van Dyke's an absolute <laughs> unit. Like, absolute. Like, I know they used to call Papa Bubadia the wardrobe. Like, if he's the wardrobe, Van Dyke's the whole of bloody Ikea. Like, literally, <laughs> he's huge. Absolutely. I think Ivan Tony might also put himself in that category. And he, him and Brentford travel to Nottingham Forest, another team that beat Liverpool recently. I, I think this is maybe <laughs> this the theme the of the podcast, naming the teams love, that beat Liverpool. I'm loving the podcast today. This is amazing. <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. I've, I've, I've had some good years. But look, you guys brushed Nottingham Forest aside. Um, they were coming off that high of beating Liverpool. They come to the Emirates. Maybe they could cause another problem, and it was just emphatic. 5-0, thanks for coming, uh, job done from Arsenal. Do you think Nottingham Forest look at that game and sort of say, well, they're top of the log, let's not maybe focus too much on the downside of that game. Um, we'll take the positives if we can from the game, but not focus too much on it, and then go up against Brentford, who on this podcast have been sort of dubbed as the benchmark team. Because they're a well-coached team. They can cause anyone problems. And 
if you don't turn up on your day with a good, you know, sort of plan to play against them, they can put you away quite comfortably. Um, but we've also seen they've 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 had some losses um, to the likes of Everton, for example. But is is this maybe then a litmus test for Nottingham Forest to see how the squad is developing after that the 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 win against Liverpool and then the destruction against Arsenal? Then you come up against Brentford. You're at home. Can they cause them any problems? I, I'm I'll start us off by saying. I still think Nottingham Forest are trying to figure themselves out. And I, I think that's fair to say, considering how many players they've brought in. And mm-hmm. then coming up against a very well-coached team in Brentford, it's going to be difficult for them to break them down and see the game out or come out with a win. I'm going to go out straight with my scoreline. I've got a 2 I've got a 2-0 Brentford win. I'm not giving Nottingham Forest a goal in this one. Uh, I just think Brentford are going to be too well coached with the game plan coming into this game to just sort of not necessarily bully them, but just control this game um, as you would expect a team under Frank would do. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you for coming up with that. I'm actually going to be a tinsy bit more controversial. Uh, Nottingham Forest waveform has been awful. Uh, I feel like they're going the old school route of essentially. If they win their home matches, they'll stay up in the Premier League. That's the way they're considering it. Brentford, on the other hand, their last away match was against Aston Villa. They got tumped 4-0. Absolutely, literally played off the park. Now well, That was the like be... Steven Gerrard celebration game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was the Steven Gerrard celebration game indeed. Uh, what a day that was. Uh, however, uh, I feel like there may be some demons in there. Not even Forest back of a big loss they're going to want to show up in front of their fans uh, I'm not sure if you caught the highlights but Jesse Lingard throwing a strop going off the pitch uh, see how that plays out but if the players are up for it I feel like they can give Brentford a real go here Brentford they've been really hit and miss this year uh, conventional form would say Brentford would win this game but there's something about Nottingham Forest at home the fans the traditions tight pitch I personally feel like it's going to be a score draw. Uh, 1-1 I'm going to go with. And I think Forrest will put up a better fight than uh, is expected. And look, 1-1 would be a decent result for Nottingham Forest. Um, another team looking to sort of get a decent result and surprisingly in that bracket of teams that yeah. are hoping to stay relevant until December and then try and fix as much as they can is Wolves. Now, you look at their last game, they obviously had that 1-1 draw against the litmus test that is Brentford, but one win in their last five games, two wins throughout the entire season, not many, I think 19 goals scored this season, which um, isn't an awful, oh, sorry, um, six goals scored, 19 goals conceded, six (laughs) goals scored this season. I knew they had the lowest goals scored, so yeah, 19 they would be very happy with. I don't think even Arsenal scored. Oh, they have. Never mind. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but six goals for Wolves. I think that's been the biggest issue for them. It's just putting the ball in the back of the net. I'm, I I keep saying it and I'll keep banging that drum that I absolutely love their midfield. Um, they're such a joy to watch. But if they've got nothing to, to bounce off of and nothing to feed, it makes it a bit difficult to watch their games. They come up against Brighton, who were in the Graham Potter um, revenge game last week. 
interesting <laughs> because I guess if if let's say we had the Steven Gerrard celebration for Aston Villa, we certainly had uh, a Brighton side that were looking maybe to stick it a bit to their old manager. I don't think in a in a malicious way, but maybe just in a cheeky smile way to say, yeah, you, know, you might nice. have gone to the be- better team, but we're, we're going to give you a performance to remember us by this season. Coming off of that win and then facing Wolves, am I being harsh in saying I can't see anything other than a Brighton win in this one? Yeah, do you know what? Brighton are playing really, really well. I mean, there's, there's no doubt Graham Potter did amazing with them. Uh, but they seem to have continued their form somewhat. I mean, they struggled. They're struggling. They were struggling to score goals before the Chelsea match. Uh, but essentially, Wolves are completely out of sorts. I mean, they're still in talks for a replacement manager. Nothing's going to be done before the weekend. Uh the way that I'm seeing Brighton play right now, uh, Danny Wolbeck's just been called up to the Provisional England squad. Lewis Dunks in there. They're going to be buoyed. Uh, shout out Moses Caicedo. What an absolute baller. Uh, I'm sure you can say it as well. Also, sending my regards to Mwepu. I know that you were a massive fan of him. Uh, and it's absolutely awful what's happened because he was actually looking really, really good. Uh, and it's an actual travesty uh, and a real shame that they've lost him. Uh, but the duo of McAllister and Caicedo are absolutely... I mean, you just have to watch them play. They're absolute ballers, uh, and I feel like they'll have too much balls, especially with Diego Costa being out. He added a real... He didn't really add goals, but he was adding like a real spark to their, their line, a bit of leadership, and now with him being suspended, uh, I see a Brighton win as well. Yeah, look, um, if, if, if you're looking at midfield battles, this is one of those that can be exciting this weekend. And as you said, well, first and foremost, that 55-man squad nonsense, it, that needs to go. <laughs> you can't have 55 people being called up. I don't even think some teams have 55 players eligible. But anyway, um, it, it's absolutely <laughs> shocking. But yeah, okay, what are we saying, scoreline? What are you thinking, Wolves-Brighton? Uh, I think, to be honest, I'm going to go for 3-1 Brighton. I'm going to go 3-0. They've scored six goals. Yeah, they've scored six goals this season. I don't see this game being the seventh. I just do you don't know, see it's, it. Do you know it's one of those where the team can't actually score that they end up just scoring that odd goal that they'll, they'll nick one from someone. Wang <laughs> they're will gonna, score. Or, they're going to ruin a clean it. sheet, a fantasy clean sheet for someone. I mean, to be honest, I'm cursed with Brighton defenders as uh, in my back line, so maybe that's what I'm sort of foreshadowing. But yeah. Uh, I'll stick with uh, 3-1, but let's see what happens. We'll touch back on that one. Let's see. Yeah, definitely one to look out for. Now, Khaled, um, they've had three losses in a row. Then they've had a win and a draw. Some kind of, if you can say, revival under Frank the Tank, another manager that was in my bottom managers, along with Steven Gerrard in the Premier League. <laughs> I, I thought the, the two worst managers in the league. Uh, I've I've not been shy or coy about that. It's it's just the way that I see it. If I'm being honest, but credit where it's due. Where it's due, you know that three 0 win against Crystal Palace, and then the nil nil draw against uh, a Fulham side that have been tough to beat this season. They come up against Leicester, who obviously are reeling from that one nil loss to Manchester City, but it, it's a lot better than you would have expected from them. And then if you look at their previous games, the 4-0 win against Wolves and then the 2-0 win against Leeds, 
this game could low-key be really exciting and then be even more exciting because it's at Goodison Park. I can't watch Everton games really well when they're playing away from home because it's just <laughs> horrendous. But Everton games at Goodison, Goodison Park have a, a certain level of spice to them that could be brought out in this game. Am, am I being delusional and trying to fool myself into into enjoying this game? Uh, how do you see Everton versus you know Everton? What? Do you know what? It's really weird that you say that because I love watching games at Goodison Park too. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that little Everton song that they keep playing, the 1960s war cry, or the literally the King's Guard at the back, because Conor Cody and Tarkovsky, but uh, it's such a tight pitch. It seems like you have Anthony Gordon smashing people into the fans. There's something about games at Goodison that just uh, get the juices flowing. So I know I'm with you on that point. In, in terms of Frank, I mean, we have to give, like you said, we have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, he was a laughing stock, but he's got them a solid back four. Now, no matter what we say, they're keeping clean sheets. Uh, he's got Calvin Lewin back. He's got them playing better than they were prior to that. And that's what you can really expect. Brendan, uh, on the other hand, uh, I have no word. I don't know quite. I think, to be honest, Leicester probably didn't want to pay him out. That's why they haven't sacked him. But he's managed to get this far. But really and truly speaking, what, where are Leicester going? Like, are they aiming for Europe? Are they aiming for Premier League survival? Like, which direction is the club going in? No one really knows. Uh, so I see Everton uh, turning them over here. Uh, and I feel like they'll turn them over quite comfortably. I see a 2-0 home win. Uh, I feel like there'll be a fair few tackles in this game. I can see Madison getting booked for kicking out at someone towards the end of the game. It just tends to happen every time I watch Leicester play. Uh, Madison's always kicking out at someone at the end, losing me minus one point in fantasy football. Uh, and yeah, I'm going 2-0 home win. Interesting. 2-0 to Everton in that one. Um, yeah, as you said, we have to give them credit where it's due. Now, this game's at half past five as well, so you know the fans would have had a whole day to get ready for it. So... Under the, lights. Be, under the lights, under the lights, it's going to be jumping. It's um, going to be crackling. It's on, it, it, it's on Sky Sports. Um, but look, I, I I rarely ever look at that kind of stuff because of our presenting sponsors. And let's pay some bills here, Khaled. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, and you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You can save with the new coupon code EPL twenty five. That gives you 25% off your router or your software VPN. As I said, it's a virtual private network that uh, encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys can also change your location, avoid geoblocks, and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. As I said, especially with that whole host of 3 o'clock games, and you're looking for the dodgy stream or, or looking for a stream, um, I, I just stick with Liberty Shield and, and that helps me sort out all of my viewing pleasures. Guys, also go and check out the EPL Index shop. You can find it on Etsy. It's getting close to Christmas. If, if you want to get presents for your friends, loved ones or frenemies, um, then definitely use the coupon code EPL10. You get 10% off at checkout. Khaled, let's go to a quick break and then we'll be back with the finally, the reveal of the team of the podcast for this season. Amazing. And also, Tadeva, don't forget that uh, any dodgy sites, I am a lawyer, so use coupon code Arsenal's top of the table, and if you get caught, I will help you out. 
All right, and we are back. Now, <laughs> Khaled, um, we were talking before the podcast started about the team of the podcast, and it's been something that has been with the podcast since the podcast began, where we pick a team. Um, it's a vote by people involved with the podcast, and they pick a, we pick a team that embodies, you know, a, a team that we want to root for this season. Now, I have a feeling the reason it's taken this long for the team of the, the the podcast to be decided on was all due to Guy Drinkle. Um, because I can reveal the team of the podcast is Aston Villa this season. And <laughs> it so happens that when Gerard gets fired, all of a sudden Aston Villa pops up as a potential team that this podcast should be rooting for. But before we go on, I have to, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to say that this team is not endorsed by the suits upstairs. Um, they, they say I have to call it an unofficial official team. Um, so yeah, I'm contractually, contractually obligated to mention that it's an unofficial official team that this podcast is rooting for this season. But what are your thoughts on Aston Villa being the team of the podcast for this season? Last season was obviously, uh, you know, quite sad. It was Norwich. They got relegated. Um, this time we've gone with um, a team that's seventh in terms of um, trophies won in England. Uh, they've obviously one of only five English teams to win a European Cup. They've got those seven league titles, seven FA Cups, five league Cups, a handful of trophies that adds up to the 25 toys. So it's a prestigious club. Um, obviously now with Unai Emery, I, I think again, that's another dig at you. That a team that um, that was <laughs> that has Una Emery coming in is is the team that gets nominated, but I, I'm quite happy with Aston Villa. I think they've got a good squad. Um, I think with a manager that can coach well, um, they can get the most out of the squad. We saw them play in that you know in that anti Steven Gerrard celebration game where they won four 0 They've shown they've got talent, but yeah, so. Me personally, it, it wasn't my choice in, in the in the ballot, but of the choices, I'm I'm quite happy with that. I mean, firstly, Guy, I know you're listening. I know for a fact you've been avoiding me, Guy. One, because we're top of the table, and two, what firstly, where was my vote? Like, how did I not get a vote? Like, I'm a part of this podcast, I'm there, but no vote. Like, that's just ridiculous. And then you pick, of all the teams, Aston Villa. Like, who actually supports Aston Villa? Like, tell me someone that you know that's an Aston Villa fan, apart from Prince William. Like, <laughs> you don't know one, because there isn't one. Like, genuinely speaking, the only reason people know about Aston Villa is because of Stan Collingmore. And because he's on Twitter, just spouting his rubbish. Uh, I'm completely against supporting Aston Villa, and I can firmly say that I will no longer come on this podcast whilst we support Aston Villa. Purely because they have Emmy Martinez and every single interview opportunity he gets, he just basically slags off Arsenal. Uh, they're just like, literally, they hate Arsenal. They, they spend their whole year just waiting to play us so they can try and nick a point off us. Uh, I totally do not endorse Aston Villa. Uh, and therefore, for this week's round of fixture, leave they're playing Manchester United, I'm going for a 5-0 Manchester United win. And that is coming from an Arsenal fan. Tell so us how you really feel. 
That's yeah, how so you really feel about guy, it. Yeah, so Guy, if you're listening to me, if you really wish to get this podcast up and running, we need to be including all members in votes and making it transparent so that the whole of the public and the whole of the, the listeners can see what the true reflection is uh, of all the people that do the podcast, as opposed to your personal wind-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So considering you've already started the Man United uh, Aston Villa prediction, I'll just continue in that fashion. I know we were meant to get to Chelsea and Arsenal on the run sheet uh, next, but let's just stick with Villa versus Man United. Um, I, I think Ten Hag has done really well to sort of steady the ship there and, and get everyone on board well that he needs on board. Um, the Ronaldo situation has probably been a blessing in disguise, in my opinion, because he was sort of holding them back. I thought he was kind of a handbrake um, for the way Ten Hag wanted the team to play. So yeah. if he's not on the out, it's given him, it's given Ten Hag an excuse to push Ronaldo aside and then get everyone else on board and, and, and ready to buy into to what he wants. And if you look at their last five games, they haven't lost a game yet. They've got three three wins and uh, two draws, obviously a draw to Newcastle and a draw to Chelsea. And if you look at Newcastle's form recently, uh, that that's quite then an impressive result for them. Coming up against Aston Villa, you know Emery will make them tough to beat, but is this a game that if Man United want to be making top four, they need to be winning? Uh, yeah, all jokes aside, uh, I definitely feel like Unai Emery will get them organised. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see, uh, once Diego Carlos is fit, what he's going to be doing with Tyrone Mings. Because Mings is their sort of mascot. Uh, however, even the Aston Villa fans, I believe, were booing him uh, in a couple of games ago because he's just not performing very well, very well. So it'll be interesting to see how he shapes up with that team. They have a lot of older players, Ashley Young, for example. Uh, they've got Philip Coutinho. They've got players who are used to playing uh, and have probably been playing a little bit too long. They need more Jacob Ramsey's as opposed to anyone else. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how he sets up with them. Uh, Ten Hag, I mean, to be honest, he's every opposing fan's worst nightmare. He's actually a respectable manager who's done the correct decisions with Manchester United uh, and they're playing really, really well. I mean, Martinez, who I took the mick out of the last time I was on, I mean, he's actually pretty good, isn't he, when you watch him play. He's come back really, really well, seems to have a bit about him, a uh, bit of a playground bully, which is always funny to watch. Uh, Antonio did give him a bit of a roughing up, though. He did, Antonio did cause him a little bit of a stir, so I'd love to see more of that play from strikers, but yeah, Manny have done really, really well. Uh, Ronaldo, uh, Love Ronaldo as a player. Uh, I'm not too impressed with his attitude since he's come to United. I think about, I don't understand why United fans still cheer him. I think it's kind of ridiculous. Like they call him a club legend, but is he really a legend? Like when you compare legends that play for other clubs, yeah, people like Tony Adams, people that stayed there. I mean, he was there as a kid. Uh, yep, he helped you win the Champions League. Yep, he had a few really, really good years, but he's not. He shouldn't be a legend. Like he's not, for example, Ryan Giggs or someone who's been there since he was a kid, had X amount of appearances. He's shown that since he's returned. Uh, but I feel like definitely uh, it'll be a tougher game. Uh, I'm still going 5-0 for obvious reasons, but uh, it'll be a tough 5-0, let's put it that way. <laughs> tough 5-0, <five nil. laughs> there is such a thing. Um, yeah, look, I think the, the difficulty is not knowing what Villa is going to turn up 
but I'm, I'm banking on the fact that at the very least, Una Emery will have them tough to beat. Maybe take it down to the basics a little bit before he, he really gets a stamp on what he wants them to do. But yeah, you mentioned a good point with regards to the likes of Coutinho. Gerard just, he loves Coutinho. So I don't think he was ever going to bench him. So it will be interesting to see how the likes of Coutinho react when they do, you know, inevitably end up on the bench in some games and whether or not they kick up a fuss or they buy into what Una Emery is trying to do there. Um, I've, I've gone a bit more moderate than you have. Maybe not quite the 5 now. I've gone 2-0 to Man United. I, I think it's still been a solid professional win for them. But speaking of professional wins, we move on to Chelsea versus Arsenal. Now, <laughs> you guys will probably be, I don't think it's harsh to say, but it's, it's likely that you guys won't be top of the league. Um, by the time this game kicks off. And this will be the second week in a row where this has happened. Are you expecting a similar reaction or based on the team that you're playing and it being at Stamford Bridge, are you expecting a bit of a tougher test um, coming out from Chelsea, who similar to you know some of the other teams that need to apologize for their performances, like Nottingham Forest, have to apologize to their home fans um, for what happened last time. Do you think Chelsea have to put up some sort of performance here to apologize for the fans after that uh, Potter revenge game disaster I'm hoping that the Champions League fixture midweek uh, will sort of compensate for that uh, Potter battering that they had over the weekend so I'm hopeful obviously as an album Arsenal hat on that they will take their revenge out in that performance uh, as opposed to us I mean we've done really well at Stamford Bridge I mean Arsenal and Chelsea's last few fixtures read this 2020, Chelsea beat us at the Emirates. We drew at Stamford Bridge, but we had 10 men. Uh, followed by the following season, we won at home and we won away. Uh, followed by the most recent season just gone, Chelsea beat us at home. We beat them away 4-2. So we've had pretty good run of form against them when historically we didn't say so in the last 10 years. Uh I'm confident, and I'm, I'm not just saying that as an officer. I mean, if you watch us play, the way that we're playing with the exuberance, the confidence, Graham Potter's still trying to get settled in. He's got a lot of injuries that he's been dealing with to key players. Uh, Aubameyang factor will be interesting to see what that moron does. Uh, however, uh, I feel like uh, a draw would be the most likely outcome of that game. Uh, despite being very positive about Arsenal, I am also slightly pessimistic when it comes to these big games, just because in the last 10 years, traditionally, we haven't done so good. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go for a 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw in that one. And look, in a way, draw to one of the big teams isn't the result that will lose you the league. Um, if, if anything, it just keeps you ticking over and then go and win, yeah. you know, beat, sort of beat the dross, win the league type of mentality but you know what i'll be the arsenal fan on this podcast seeming you don't want to be i think <laughs> that arsenal i think arsenal take um the win here and it, it you know you mentioned the the fact that graham potter still has to sort of embed his identity into this team and he's got a lot of injuries and personal rotation that he's going to have to manage arsenal don't necessarily have that issue we know the the, the Saka injury is a big blow but aside from him, I think it's going to... We, we kind of know what Arsenal's lineup is going to be. I think the players are now comfortable playing with each other. The chemistry is looking good. Um, 
as long as Gabriel doesn't Gabriel this game uh, and get a red card as as he usually seems to do in big games, or I know Xhaka will get his yellow card and like that's standard. But as long as Gabriel doesn't do anything silly, I think Arsenal end up winning this game two one. And if anything, that's that momentum they were looking for heading into the World Cup to sort of just stay above uh, stay above Man City and then sort of regroup um, heading into the World Cup. But Khaled, let's move on to the team. And, and I hope I'm not being controversial here because I'm, I feel quite strongly about it. But I think the informed team in the Premier League at the moment in Newcastle, they travel to St. Mary's to play Southampton. Is there a team? I, I know you obviously with Arsenal and, and they're top of the log and maybe that skews your answer a little bit. And maybe my answer is skewed with the way Liverpool are playing at the moment. But Newcastle is my favorite team to watch play football at the moment. Uh, especially in the Premier League. And I'm going to come out straight with, with my answer. I'm going to go 3-0 Newcastle win. Uh, Newcastle are amazing. I mean, there's nothing else much to say about them. Uh, Eddie Howe, round of applause, mate. Like, genuinely speaking, no one thought you'd still be here. Uh, and I think it's quite telling uh, that Unai Emery has now come back to the Premier League with uh, uh, Aston Villa when he had an absolute dream job on his hands. Uh, it was a poison chalice at that time, Newcastle. There was a lot of what clamour about the Saudi ownership taking over. They were in a precarious position in the league, but Eddie Howe took it on, uh, and he's done absolutely outstanding. I mean, if you just have to watch Newcastle play, they've got some absolute beasts in there, like Chalinton, Almiron. They just don't stop running the whole game. They are on you. Uh, I would put them up there with one of my favourite teams to watch, aside from Arsenal. Uh, not forgetting our boys, Everton. Don't forget that. <laughs> There's nothing like a good, the Goodison rule. Nothing like a good Goodison rule. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Newcastle, uh, I think. And do you know what, Southampton, their result against Arsenal was complete luck. Like, genuinely speaking, they're just our bogey team. It was as written in, like, the Premier League bylaws that if we go to uh, St. Mary's, we just have to drop points. Like, it's just ridiculous. They were so bad against us that first half. We should have absolutely nailed them. Uh, and we didn't, and that was our own fault. But I don't think Newcastle will miss here. I think Callum Wilson, buoyed by his inclusion in the 55-man squad, uh, will look to cement his place in the next cup, which I think is going to be 32 probably. Uh, and I think that he will bag a brace. Uh, I see a Newcastle win. I'm going for 2-0. Interesting. 2-0 win there. And look, um, I'm yeah, just going to call it out now. I'm, I'm putting a ban on the term 55-man squad. Um, it, it's just pissing me off now. I, I can't handle teams seriously having to pick 55 players. Um, and it's it's basically just to just stroke some egos and, and make sure people aren't hurt when they don't make the official squads. And and I think it's nonsense. It's an NFL roster. We should have like a, a league table for the best players in the UK. Like if we increase that list, I might be able to make the cut. Who knows? Like genuinely, like it's like some surprise inclusions. And I think they haven't even announced it formally. So no one actually knows, but I would love to see who's on that list. Like, 55 men of, like, the English players. Like, who has he left out? Like, is, for example, people that are thinking about changing nations, like Wamisaka, for example. Like, would he have, been, would he have made the cut if he didn't change uh, allegiances or not? It'd be very interesting to see, because in theory, we could have, like, a roster of knowing that, like, a league table, well, who's going to make the England squad based on what he just suggested? Uh, it would be very interesting to see who he picked because a lot of people have been on the outside looking in. So they'd, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But yeah, I don't think they will announce it. 
No, I, I, I doubt it. Let's move on to West Ham versus Crystal Palace. Um, obviously, West Ham had that disappointing defeat last time out on um, Sunday, late on Sunday against Man United. And then Crystal Palace sneaking that 1-0 win against Southampton. Now, you know, you've mentioned on this podcast a few teams that needed to apologize to their fans. Last week, I had Crystal Palace in that camp of they needed a performance after getting smashed by Everton at Goodison Park to sort of apologize to their fans. They get a win, maybe not as emphatic as they would have wanted to, but at least a win nonetheless. <laughs> they come up against a West Ham side who they look like they're starting to find their identity. But to me, it seems like Moyes is getting in his way at times. Um, with some of the selections that he's making, <laughs> I see you making those irons um, on on the on the video. Uh, Khaled, what do you make of this game? I I'm worried that the teams are sort of going to cancel each other out, and it's going to be a drab one-one draw. Do you know what? I don't know if you pay attention to football stats a lot, but West Ham's possession stats have increased this year. I don't know if Moyes is trying to play tiki-taka football. Uh, West Ham always look better when. Timo Kera is playing fullback as opposed to centre back. That's when I see a West Ham team that's set out with Timo Kera at fullback, I get excited because I don't know if you watched him play against United. He was marauding forward, like literally, he was up and down. Uh, and that game was end to end, and it was brilliant to watch. If West Ham come out in their traditional format where they don't keep the ball and they play free at the back sometimes, it's going to be a rubbish game. Uh, I do feel like there's a chance teams would cancel themselves out because West Ham seem to like to keep, kick the ball around the back. Crystal Palace definitely kicked the ball around the back. I think we have to pin our hopes on uh, a Wilf Sahar Tiro Kera battle because I feel like that'll be an amazing watch. I can easily, I mean, last week it was Zahar versus Lianko. They both got booked. Uh, and I feel like if Kera and Zahar get into it, it could make it a feisty affair. I'm also willing West Ham to start Antonio instead of uh, Skamaka. I feel like Antonio has carried West Ham through their rises through the league. And now David Moyes has just picked the foreign lad, pinned his hopes on him, thinking, yep, uh, amazing. I don't know if you ever watched Renford Rejects. Basically, Bruno from Renford Rejects just stuck him up top and be like, yeah, give me flair. And it's like, well, hold up here. This guy used to play fullback for you. He's literally driven you to where you are now. Don't forget who got you there. And I'm hoping his, his substitute performance against Manchester United has uh, installed some more belief because uh, I'm a big Mikel Antonio fan. Uh, nothing to do with the fact that he was praising Arsenal midweek on match today as well. Like, Absolutely not. Prior to that, I was a big fan. But I thought I'd get that out there. <laughs> your score prediction? Uh, my score prediction for this, uh, I don't know if Paquetta's fit or not. Uh, if Paquetta's fit, I'm going to go for a 2-1 West Ham win. Uh, if Paquetta is not fit, I'm going to go for a one-one. Okay, one-one. Then we would we would sort of match each other there with the one-one. Um, yeah. If no Paquetta, look, Khaled, we end the weekend off with Spurs versus Liverpool. Now, <clears throat> both these teams don't know how to play football until they've conceded a goal. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen in this one. Um, obviously, they're both through in the Champions League, which is massive for both clubs. I think Spurs come into this one hiding, I mean, riding a bit of, bit more of a high, um, considering the way in which they made it through. Liverpool, though, beat the in-form, undefeated Napoli. So can they carry that momentum in? Uh, me, personally, 
I don't think that's sort of a momentum game for them because we've seen them beat Man City and then do nonsense afterwards. Um, Khaled, I'm very, very confused in this game. Obviously, in my household, um, people will be sitting on opposite ends of the couch and someone is going to be sleeping on the couch um, after this game. So I'm, I'm, I'm always nervous to give a prediction for this one. But I don't see how Liverpool's defence keeps Spurs out. That's the biggest concern for me. And then on the other side of things, Spurs have shown um, that they're willing to give you chances to score from outside the box, but they're going to limit your chances inside the box. And that just means they're going to crowd the space for the likes of Salah in the box and make sure he doesn't get enough chances. It's 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 hard. It's a hard one to pick um, for me. My my head is saying two two. My heart is saying a madness and a three two Liverpool win that they somehow just get this one over the line. And obviously, I'm hoping that happens. But my head, I can't see past the two two. Both teams need to concede to to come alive. So it will be you know two goals within the first fifteen minutes just to settle the nerves for either side, and and then we see how the game goes on from there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you followed the stat that was said uh, during the Leeds match, but I think it was four out of the four teams that took points of you, they all ran more than Liverpool in the game. So I feel like whoever runs the most is going to take away the points this week because uh, Tottenham, I don't know how they are where they are. Like, I always feel like Antonio Conte has one foot out the door. It just feels like he's like one bad performance to basically say, forget this, I'm not going to be here. They fluke their way. And I know that your your missus isn't going to be happy with me saying it, but I don't care. They fluked their way to where they are now. I mean, you look at the league table. How are they on 26 points? Like, they haven't played well, like, in any game this year. Like, yesterday, I mean, I don't know if you watched it. That first half was absolutely shocking. They couldn't pass the ball. They couldn't do anything. And, yeah, credit to them. They showed a bit of – they showed some balls. They came out. They, they got through the Champions League, but – if Liverpool are anywhere near their, their best, anywhere near their best, uh, they would turn over this team uh, and quite easily as well. Uh, Liverpool, what do you say about them? I mean, you guys are missing Mane. I know, I don't know how you, we haven't actually had this conversation, but Sadio Mane was a catalyst and I think it's clear and obvious to see. Darwin Nunes, I don't care what Liverpool fans will say or what anyone else thinks, the guy is absolute trash, I'm going to say it. He's trash. He is trash. I don't care. I said it. Take it on the chin. He can't do anything. He can't finish. Literally, I don't care about any goals that he scores. He is trash. Poor man Haaland. Like, I don't want to have nothing to do with that guy. Like, literally, if you've watched him play, like, it's absolutely comical what he does. Like, it's just literally, like, he has no technical ability compared to the rest of your players. Uh, Salah is way too overpaid. I don't feel like he cares anymore. Uh, and yeah, Liverpool ran over. Uh, but in terms of the way that the fixture is going to go, genuinely speaking, I hate to say it, and I hate to say it, the way that you guys are playing now, at best for Liverpool fans, I can see a draw. Otherwise, I feel like Tottenham will beat you because they seem to want it more than uh, most other clubs do right now. Just through willing determination, they're going to force that ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and, and I think it helps then that Spurs will be playing at home. So the crowd will sort of still be with them regardless of what scoreline it is. 
we've seen with games with Liverpool, no matter what the scoreline is, they're going to give you a chance to get back into it. Um, you mentioned that running stat. Uh, I know Simon Brundish tweeted uh, a couple of days ago that Liverpool have been out-sprinted in 11 games this season. That is more than in the previous three seasons combined. So, yeah, when it comes hashtag, to running. Hashtag asthma punk. We can go into that in another debate, but it's got to wear off. The effects of whatever you guys have been on for the last, what, six years have got to be wearing off now, surely. Well, they haven't replenished the squad well enough. But yeah, as you said, that that's a whole nother podcast on its own. Um, so you've, you've ended with a, a 2-2 draw, is it? Uh, I didn't actually give a uh, decision, but 2-2 draw, I mean, it would be good to watch if it was a 2-2 draw. Genuinely speaking, and like I said, hate to actually say it, I'm going to go for 2-1 Spurs. Ooh, 2-1 to Spurs in that one. So, yeah, so I had either 2-2 draw or a 3-2 Liverpool win. Let's go head-to-head in that one. I'm, I'll go with a 3-2 Liverpool win. I, I think they'll turn up so. for another big game. Um it's the games against the, the lower teams that I guess they need to worry about a lot more. But Khaled, that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Guy, I want my vote. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd also like to plug uh, my biggest fan, which is uh, Shimi. She knows who she is and she'll definitely be listening. Uh, apart from that, thank you for having me on the show again. Guy, uh Whenever you're ready, like I said, I'm happy to have a sit down. We can debate this as the villa chat. But no, thank you for having me. Uh, appreciate it as always. Awesome. Uh, guys, from my end, go check out all of the content on EPL Index website. There are match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, and all of the news you could wish for heading into the World Cup. Of course, there is the daily podcast show. It's the two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Uh, finally, also check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. I was on there two weeks ago. I think I'm on there soon. Um, just trying to check the roster soon enough. But also go and follow the Twitter page at a tad predictable on Twitter. I think it's up to 10K now, which is pretty cool. Uh, follow EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers write positive comments give us five stars all of that stuff really really helps us out mm-hmm. um i've been to the ocean you can find me on twitter at tad predicts huge thank you to obi semenya he's at john empire sa and jody mckenna she's at spursy one for one for our guest intros our producer behind the glass mr guy drinkle he's at guy drinkle on twitter he's been colored patel and remember chisinga perry brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son had a goal and scored a beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans! De Bruyne! That is what... Martinelli, gorgeous! Still going up! Oh, he's done it again! Sports Social Podcast Network.